Welcome back to Friends Like Us. Marina Franklin here, your host. This week on Friends, I have two new friends. Help me welcome LaTanya Mapfret. LaTanya Mapfret teaches at Columbia University, is author of The Everyday Feminist, and the president and CEO of Global Fund for Women. Global Fund for Women offers flexible feminist funding and support to create meaningful change that will last beyond our lifetimes. And help me welcome Sabrina Ravel. Sabrina Ravel is an accomplished actress currently starring in The Crossover for Disney+. Plus. She can also be seen in her current recurring role on the popular CW series All-American Homecoming. Whether it's the larger corporate coffee companies or the small local coffee shop, it seems like the coffee choice we have today are over-roasted and bitter or under-roasted and sour. And to top it off, bad coffee can be <laughs> really expensive. At Mariposa Coffee, they believe you shouldn't need to add cream and sugar to enjoy your coffee. They have a unique roasting process, so their coffee is clean, smooth, fresh, and a tasty that you can drink black. I've had their coffee. I love their coffee. Every time you see me with a coffee mug, know it's their coffee. And at just $12 per pound, you'll have enough money left over to buy eggs or gas or maybe more coffee. What? Say word. More coffee. They offer flavored coffees and decaf coffee if that's what you like. Shop online today at MariposaCoffeeCo.com and enter promo code FranklinFriends10. That's FranklinFriends10 to receive 10% off your first coffee order. That's Mariposa coffee.com for smooth, enjoyable, and affordable coffee. I want to thank all of our listeners and friends like us. Because of you, we make some pretty impressive lists. You can hear us on Google Podcasts Now, Stitcher, Spotify, iHeartRadio, and Apple Podcasts. Review and rate us on Apple Podcasts. Subscribe. Make sure you turn on the auto-download function for Friends Like Us on Apple Podcast. You can email us at friendslikeuspodcast at gmail. Instagram is friendslikeuspodcast. And Twitter is friendslikeus10. Become more than a friend. Leave us a tip or donation by going to our Patreon page. Go to Patreon backslash friendslikeus. Special shout out to our Patreon friends. It's because of you. We keep going. Now for our golden friends, you have the option to watch our recordings live backstage. Go to Patreon backslash friends like us and be golden. Merch is available. We have t-shirts, hoodies, coffee mugs, face masks, tank tops, all available. Just go to my website, marinafranklin.com. Weekly on my YouTube channel, I go live with my assistant, Evelyn Frick, and my wacky friend, Dave Juskow. We give updates to the show, shout out fans who leave reviews, and we have surprise guest friends for the podcast sometimes stop by. We even offer free stuff like tickets to comedy shows. And with friends like us, it'll help you feel not so alone because more content is on the way. Tell a friend you know to check us out. Stay safe. Wash those dirty little hands. Wear a mask still if you want to. And Black Lives Matter. And welcome to Friends Like Us. I'm Marina Franklin, and here today, someone asked why I sing, cause it makes me feel great. I'm here <laughs> to sing and have a good time with Latanya Mapfrat. Hey. Did I say it right? You did, you did. <laughs> and Sabrina Ravel, did I say it right? Yes, you did. <laughs> Both amazing women, and we started off hot. Uh. <laughs>
Yeah. But no, you both, like I was saying, like, I am so happy to have both of you here today. You're both amazing women. Speaking of like women doing it, like we're, we're out of women's month, but you know, women's month is never over. Black history month is never over. Mm. And it's just, this is why I started the podcast to feature just amazing women like both of you. And so I'm going to try to get both of you like, cause you're both so incredible. I'll start with you, Latanya. Okay. Yes. Um, because you are an everyday, you wrote a book, you wrote a book. I wrote a book. Yeah. <laughs> That's amazing. That's in yeah. itself. I went to the gynecologist this week and she was like, I'm writing a book. Um, but the everyday feminist, yeah, yeah, yeah. can you tell me why it was so important to write this book and why now? So, I mean, I listen, first of all, I was at Oxford's Literary Festival last week and I wish you were there singing, you know, just to kind of loosen things up a little bit. So, you know, <laughs> and that's kind of where the book came from. I came to Global Fund for Women. I was living in Nairobi, moved to San Francisco to come to this job. And the organization started like in 1987. And um, it has this incredible, and all, you know, the founders are still around, except for their first chair. She's a black woman that used to run Barbados Um uh, she was their prime minister and she, um, you know, uh, was the first chairperson. But the other founders are actually over um, here in, you know, in somewhere in the U.S. And so I spoke to them about what they were trying to do. And they were like, we were just trying to get women money. You know, they didn't have to apply for anything. We just wanted to get them because they were just doing some incredible shit, you know. And so they were like, well, um, you know, can we give them like ten thousand dollars and organizations that typical philanthropy were like, how? They don't even run anything. They just out there doing work. You know, how are they going to apply? How are they going to show that they had an NGO or blah, blah, blah. And so they just started giving out money. And today, you know, flip forward, you know, 30 something years, it's like the same thing. It's women just are out there, you know, getting shit done. And I felt like all the places I've lived in the world, um, I keep me in the same type of women. And whether they called themselves feminist or not, it was like I needed to be in service to them somehow. And so the work I do in the book I wrote was all because I think we don't lift up our sisters enough. I mean, it's exactly what you're trying to do with this podcast. But we need to make sure that they understand, even though they don't get enough, they're underlooked, they're underrepresented. We see them and we respect them and we love them. And I honestly, personally, couldn't do what I do without the energy that they give me. So that's why I wrote the book. But I know it's called the Global Fund for Women. Mm -hmm. So it's global. Mm -hmm. So what are, because that is a whole other in itself, like, it's not just black. I always think it's black women, but it's it's, <laughs> it's global. Why is it so important that it's a global fund um, for women? Well, and, and we were trying to, I think, really establish the understanding that I mean, justice, you know, um, or should I say injustice anywhere is injustice everywhere, right? So we really needed to make sure that we were in solidarity with sisters around the world who were living through different experiences, but similarly challenging, right? And they're always, always the ones that are trying to push the issue. And so, you know, war in Liberia spills over into all the surrounding countries, but it also affects us here in the United States. And so, and, and you know, like, let's be honest, the U.S. foreign policy, uh, European foreign policy is an extension of a lot of, lot of toxic injustices that have been happening in around the world. So we don't sit here innocently, right? So we have to fight the battles in our country, but we also have to look out for sisters that are trying to fight battles in their countries. And I, and while I talk mostly about 
women of color because, you know, predominantly that's who we are in the world, right? We, cause we got jaded when, you know, how Europe sort of exploded itself and makes themselves look so big, but you know, most of the world is brown and black, right? And so um, most of what we do is going to be brown and black. And um, that's why it's so, so important to me that those sisters that have been living at the margins get moved towards the center and that we support the work that they do, honestly. I see here that you also worked for Planned Parenthood mm. previously, right? Yep. And now you're this, I should say this is very important, the CEO, <laughs> did I say that? The CEO, yes. that's important, <laughs> of Global Fund for Women. Like that, to move up to that position had to have been very difficult as a Black woman to get that position. What, what one, what inspired you or what was the catalyst to make you move from Planned Parenthood to, to this specific job? So it's funny, I have a 17 year old daughter. So I, I have a T-shirt that says CEO and I, I like make her wear it, too, because <laughs> you, know? you got to you got to see it and believe it right before you can become it. And when I was at Planned Parenthood, I ran their um, uh, global program. So it was still international, but that's my background. I'm a, by training an international human rights lawyer. Right. So that was sort of where I came from. And um, I met the head of Planned Parenthood, Cecile Richards. She also did the. Um, uh, forward on this book, The Everyday Feminist, um, because this this woman is like um, an, an incredible advocate. Her mother was the, the first woman uh, governor, I think the only woman governor of Texas um, when she was growing up. But she's, you know, she's fierce and she was out there and she was making it work. And plus, while I was at Planned Parenthood, it, you know, in, in stories in the book, you'll read how this all happened. But I ran into a group of sisters who are representing reproductive justice in this country. And these are some these are some on fire sisters and they come from the south of this country, you know, and they experience so much of the same challenges that I saw when I was living in Africa and Asia. Right. Trying to bat back this system that continues to try to I mean, hell, we're still seeing it. You know, it's just yeah. the, the Texas stuff, you know, the Tennessee stuff, you know, but, you know, really trying to bat that back. And um, and these were the sisters that kept me going through that work. Um, and when I left Planned Parenthood, I actually thought I would be there for for a much longer time because I so love the work that I did um, with organizations all over the world, um, mostly in Africa and Latin America. Um, but then I saw this role and they contacted me and I was like, it's time to go out and, you know, sort of leave my own thing. And I'm loving it. I'm loving it. So how does someone get money from you? Like, do, do, do you write in? Do you go, hey, since you're giving money, <laughs> I mean, like, what's the qualifications? So it's um, it's interesting because since I've been there, we changed it a little bit. And you mentioned this global. So it's 176 countries that we've been given in over 5000 groups that we give specifically to, but also over 2000 what we call resource partners. So that's like women like me and you given like one hundred dollars a month just to keep this going. And so what you know, the way that it used to be, I will just say back in the day, me too. Right. We used to come. We're in these, uh, you know, centers of the universe, I'll call it. And we used to set up these geographic and um, sectoral strategies. We would say, um, OK, we want to focus on reproductive rights for women in Africa. And then we send out this big announcement saying, apply if you want to be one of the people that work with us. And so when I came um, into Global Fund for Women, I just wanted to do it a little differently. I wanted us to be in relationship with these organizations. I want us to know them. 
I want us to speak with them. I want them to experience us and feel like they have some power in this organization. So I kind of flipped the script. So now what we're doing is something called movement-led approach. So really, it is us being in service to them. So they say they need something, and then we're going to come and provide that to them. I'm so sick of the days where these women are doing all that they do with these scrappy budgets, and they still got to find us. What's wrong with us going to go find them? And that's where my head is right now, honestly. It's like, how do we look across the world with all the sort of advisors we have, all of the sisterhoods and solidarity, and find out where people are that need our support and what kind of support they need? And plus, you know, we could use like machine learning. I was just saying the other day, like, you know how you're looking for a pair of black sandals and now every time you go to your email, like there's a whole list of black sandals on the side of the page. Well, that's how it needs to be for women that need support. It's like, so I want to try to use um, machine learning and AI to be able to identify emerging movements as they're coming up, as they're having events so that they're not looking for us for money. We're looking for them to say, can hey, I see you guys are about to do a march over in Baghdad somewhere. How can we give you some support to be able to do that and sustain that energy behind social movements? Wow, that is that is moving forward. That's like the bold move. Yeah, it's the bold. That's because I was looking at your Instagram. I was like, we're getting bigger and bolder. And that's the bold move right yeah, there. Everyone's trying. talking about AI and that's the positive spin on yeah. AI too. Try, well, we might so. as well use it, right? It's out there. We got it. It's us that has to, I call it feminist technology. We got to change the game so that we can use it differently. Yeah. But if someone knows a, a, a woman or a organization who does need help, do they just send them to you all to the website? Is there somewhere where they can still apply or still send an email just in case you, AI didn't well, work? Well, it's you know, more of day? a space to, <laughs> that's right, but it's more of a space to just come and join the community. So we know you're out there. And then that experience is what allows us to have the relationship. So I think it's like a little link, you know, I think. I can't remember what it's called. It used to be called, how do I get a grant? But it's called something else like join us. And so you put your information in and we ask you, you know, what's going on? Where are you? Um, What language do you speak? So we can we can create an experience for you from then. And we do have networks for like crises and emergency funds that are a little bit different because, you know, the situation is different. But we do. I mean, at the end of the day, we just want everybody, you know, that's out there trying to make a social, economic or political change for gender justice. Come on through and we're going to have a relationship and we're going to see what we can do together, because even if we can't do it right, we know people that can and we want to make sure that they're, um, you know, enlightened to those spaces maybe that they didn't know about before. Yeah. And I was listening to you on Bloomberg because I listen to Bloomberg <laughs> um, all the time. I'm a Bloomberg. I'm into stocks now. Go, Sabrina, girl. you know, yeah. Zainab has probably told you I have her come to my uncle's stock. You're welcome to come, Sabrina, anytime, too. <laughs> but um, Wait, know, what is it? No, just, she hasn't told me. What uh, so I watch... It's the well, I just do stocks. I do, tra- I don't do day trading, but I pay attention to all the stocks and everything. And so I'm addicted to the Bloomberg channel because yeah. I think it's the most informative. And then I saw you do an, um, I saw you, Latanya, do an interview on Bloomberg and I was so jealous. I was like, oh my God, how does she, this is amazing. <laughs> but then I thought it's so, it was such an important interview that they did and that they had you on there was just a big deal. I'm so glad that they had you. But they asked a really great question. And I'm going to ask you this too. Sure. 
is what is the backlash effect? Like, you know, with the right being on this mission against women, has it affected your funding? Has it affected your outreach in any way or? Um, you know, I, I, I'm from a family of fighters. And so when people start coming out hard, that means you're winning. And so I, I and I honestly have to feel like that to do, do the work that I do, watching so much tragedies and, you know, and seeing all this nonsense that's going on in this country is really kind of sickening um, because we have resources, if, if you understand what I'm saying. And then I watch it in other countries where people don't have as many resources, but um, it hasn't. It hasn't. Um, I, I think that, okay. like me, there are a lot of people out there with resources that also want to stay in the fight. That's also thinking, OK, they come in harder. We're going to come back even harder. And so that means we got to give more. We got to, you know, maybe the resources we were using for stuff that maybe isn't so important. We now got to make sure that we cover in our sisters and other parts of the world. So it has not decreased. In fact, um, since I've been with Global Fund for Women, we've done better than we ever have historically, right? So I'm I'm of that feeling that, listen, if they're going to be throwing punches, we got to be ready. We got to be protected and we got to be able to throw back. So that's what we're that's what we're prepared for. And we have found um, that resource partners that feel the same way are um, trust us and give in that way. How important is it to label like. I did a speaking event where I reclaimed feminism in Milwaukee. And it was the first time someone asked me to do that. And because I never labeled myself as a feminist, how important is it for women to label themselves a feminist, even if they don't know, like, I think you can call yourself what you want. <laughs> it's like, like your mother said, you, and people can call you what they want. It's what you answer to. And so I know there are some really bold, like women that have re, you know, imagined the word feminist. And some people are calling themselves womenist. Um, some people have experiences. I always say to people, my grandmother used to say, I know damn feminist. You know, she's like, that's for the white women over there that got money and time to worry about that stuff. I don't have that. But, you know, everything you see in my book is like, is a, is a picture of that woman every like characteristic for me. And when I came back to, I had to reclaim it too, because I, I wasn't one that claimed feminism. But when, after those years with Planned Parenthood, and then I came to Global Fund for Women, um, people kept asking me, are you a feminist? And I'm like, yeah, but I sometimes wanted them to know that not the kind of feminist you're talking about. And so that's why I named the book The Everyday Feminist. It's like, we the ones that's like in the back, in the shadows, we doing all the work and nobody really, you know, we are the ones that show up at the PTA meeting. We were, I, I watched during COVID, you know, the, the particularly women of color showing up to feed people, get the stuff all organized, get bags to the people and deliver them. We're out there, you know, all the time. And that to me is like what, what I'm talking about. I'm not talking about this, oh, it's the difference between, you know, um, a man and a woman and this and that. No, I'm, I'm talking about the women who are doing the work and the men who support them, um, because that is what's getting us to a position where we can change these systems that have been so rooted in inequality for so long that if we don't come together and support these women in their efforts, then we, we're not going to be able to get it done. You saw what happened with Tennessee. I mean, they rejected the two um, the two black men. Um, from, they ejected them, but the white woman stayed. And so that, and, and you know, I ain't got no problem with her staying, but then she got to do the work. 
That's that's what I'm saying. So she's got to do the work. And I don't care whether she call herself a feminist or not, but that's what I'm talking about. She's got to carry that load um, because otherwise we won't ever be able to change. Yeah, and she should. She should carry the load, right? Because that's the only way it will change. So perhaps it is good that they, you know, um, got X'd out and she's there, right? And we all know why she's there. She knows why she's there. She said it outright. I know I'm still here. Yeah, she said, I know I'm still here because of the color of my skin. But now that you're there, what are you going to do? So I always say this. Racism cannot end without the people who inflict it, period. So we can fight all day long. I think we have two different conversations a lot of the time. Black people getting ahead, working together, whatever that looks like for feminism, for equality, for wealth, for health, right? And we can do that, and we do do that, but not without fight, right? Because at every turn that we try to do it, they're here stopping us, right? So both can happen simultaneously, but racism does need to end, or at least quiet down to a certain degree. And that is, you know what I mean? And that is never going to happen without the people who inflict it. And so I'm not shy about that. I speak very openly about that and I speak very pointedly about that. And I speak to the people about that and to the people, I mean, white people. And so without them, you know, you know, like, and without them acknowledging and all this nonsense about like, we don't know. And we just, we, you just got to tell it. I don't, I, I, I don't, I don't subscribe to any of that. We gonna have a real conversation. Yeah, no, what? <laughs> you living? You wouldn't trade places with me? Then you know. I had to tell my doctor, I said, cause he was like, well, the problem is I'm just not in a lot of these conversations. I said, you know what's funny to me? I don't hear a bunch of people asking for the history of a pit bull or any type of dog when it's in, you know, when it's in some trouble, when they come to save the whales and they come to save whatever. They, I don't hear them like, well, wait a minute. What's the history? I need to know everything. Were they right in everything they've done in their lives? Did they never rob a person or not? I don't hear you saying that. The bottom line is you don't even need to know every single thing that has happened to us. You don't need to know our history that well to know what is happening to us. You don't. What tells you is that you would never trade places with me. And if you know that, then you know, then you know. Period. Sorry to go on a tangent, but (laughs) it's like, good, she's there. Now let's see what she's going to do. You know what I mean? Do What's she going to do? Yeah. Yeah, I totally agree. You know, there was this Echo Green study, so I'm not, uh, I'll bring it back so that you understand, but there was an Echo Green study that showed they're looking at the leaders of NGOs that do work for a specific community. And let's just say that community is African-Americans in the urban center. And so you have NGOs that were led by white people traditionally, and then you had some that was probably taken over by black leaders. And then they looked at how many many resources they get from like, let's say the traditional philanthropy, these larger foundations. And they saw the difference was like vast. And so like a traditional philanthropy would give the white man centering on the same community, let's say a million dollars, but they'd give, let's say the black woman who ran a similar organization doing the same thing, same reach. They, I mean, they cater for everything in the data would only get something like a hundred thousand. 
And so there is this, right. So there is this thing that, that, you know, this trust, this, uh, and it goes back to what you were saying about the pit bull. It's like before they even asked the question, whether the, the black woman was qualified to do the work, first of all, she's doing the work with her own community. And so she just inherently knows better what's needed because she's in it. Right. And, and there's so many other factors I can go down the list why she should be getting, if not as much more than, than the white male who was doing it. But there is this theory, right, that that's who's going to fix it, um, that that's who's going to do it. So it is this combination of you guys put the energy in that is necessary to unmantle this bullshit that has been created. And then we'll do the fight if you resource us because we our people will come. Our people will come and they will. I mean, you know, we have educated ones that can create new policies and programs, um, but we can't do it, like you said, um, Sabrina, if they keep stopping us with the, you know, the bullshit questions about are we qualified? Are we feminist? You know, so that was the same question is like, are you are you feminist enough? You know, are you black enough? Are you qualified enough? And I'm just tired of it. We don't I mean, it's, you know, enough of that. We, we got to get the work done and you better do what you said you were going to do. And we're going to hold you accountable if you don't. Yes. And I feel like everyone is starting to do just that, holding people accountable by saying, wait, no, you're not doing this work. I've become more involved in my community. It just simply like we were saying before, based on noise. Noise was the catalyst for me finding out everything that's going on in Harlem, you know, and finding out my councilwoman. I I went down this rabbit hole of corruption in Harlem, just based on trying to find a solution to make my living situation livable. And then I realized how much was fighting against just making Harlem livable for Black folks in Harlem. And the saddest part, too, was the politics that actually happens amongst us. I mean, you know, I've gotten so involved. I get emails now. I don't know if it was because I was younger, but I just I've been here for 20 years and I've never I didn't know who the council person was. I didn't know who my elected officials. I really never got that involved until the pandemic brought out a lot, you know, and then um, now I get these emails and there's a councilwoman that I love and I'm seeing them try to tear her apart. And she's the first woman to speak to me, to actually sit down and speak to me. And she speaks to, she has, she would hold like task force meetings. And I'm like, whatever. And I, I just got this email this week. They were like, she's like not showing up for this and not. And I'm like, but who are you? Like, I have never, I have never had a conversation with you. It matters. And you're, yeah. And it does matter. I'm like, yeah, she may not have shown up, but why are you emailing this now? And what's your record, by the way? Right. And what's your motive for, 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 for sharing this information? What is your motive? Because racism, you know, I say this a lot, too. It's like <laughs> white people and other believe racism is being killed by the cops. Right. And that is a part of it. That's just one section of racism. Right. And it's actually one piece of it. And it's actually the smallest percentage of it, right? It's still huge. It still shouldn't happen, but it's actually the smallest percentage. Racism is what we actually endure every single day. It is involved in every single moment of our lives. What you described, them getting more money, 
the same thing, same exact job, same exact position for the same exact people, them getting more money simply because they are white, not because they're qualified, not because they showed they could jump through hoops, not because they have X, Y, and Z, that simply because of the color of their skin. It's the same thing in the industry. Our shows get way less money. When I was shooting my series, we had a guy in the um, crew who was like, oh my God, the show I just got off of is just two white men and they have millions and millions of, they don't even, they have so much money, they don't even know what to do with it. Like they don't even, you know, it's not like they have special effects and they need all this money. No, they just got all these money because they are white men. And people think we are crying wolf when we speak like this. No, it is embedded in every single detail of our lives. Just like that man took that time out to send that email to say, she's not showing up for this, she's not showing up for that. Not that it's not warranted, but what? why are you doing this? And would you have done it if this was a white man not showing up? That's unconscious bias. That's when you have to question yourself. Why am I doing the things I'm doing? Would I do this if this was a white person, let alone a white man? You know, I, I'm just always challenging them because we... We like to say it's systems, and that is true. It is system. It is systematic, right? But systems are only well. Shit, now AI is in the mix, so <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah. But that's why we need to be back there training it. Yeah, exactly, mm-hmm. because systems are only implemented and kept up by humans, right? So even with AI, like AI, it learns how to be racist from the people who's programmed it, right? So it, it is you. I, you can't call it nothing else. It is you, meaning white people. It is your mother. It is your father. It is your grandmother. It is your grandfather. All these people in government, we act like they're just buildings. No, they're people in the buildings who keep these laws up. People in the buildings who, you know what I mean? Who, who are doing these things. They're sitting down at dinner tables, eating a dinner. What are you saying when you're there with them? So I like to challenge people with that. The everyday feminist, like you're saying, the everyday person who cares, what are you doing? Or are you just turning a blind eye? Yeah. Do you think it's better in the industry when um, it's all black owned? And because I've been wondering about this um, and you probably can tell me more, but I wonder because a lot of people now have done it, been doing their own things. I mean, you know, of course, the obvious ones, um, Oprah and, and what's his name in, in Atlanta. But I mean, who do you I mean, do you think if we just do our own thing that we'll be in a better position or or, or not? Because racism is not just white and black, right? It is oh, even black people. Have well, been that's trained, what I was going right? to say. The guy who emailed way. me yeah. is a black man. Yeah, yeah, he was a black man, but he was a black man. But the the problem in Harlem is it's black men helping a white man who, because I knew the building that she they wanted to put up a building on 145th. The guy is white. Right. The the guy wanted to put this building up and he worked with Giuliani, which I did my homework. Right. So this is why she's getting attacked so hard. By her own people. Right. Because they're politically, they're aligned with that guy who still wants to put that building up and he's resubmitted. You see, so I'm paying attention. I'm listening and I'm like, oh, they are going after this sister because she stopped some white dude from putting up a high rise in Harlem on 145th and no one can understand how she did it. And I'm telling you, we've had meetings. I'm like, they need to protect. We need to protect this sister 
like for real, for real. So when I got and so, yeah, the racism, the systemic racism, it, it, it's in us, too, at times. It's like, oh, my God, what we do to ourselves. Yeah. Yeah. But but yeah. even that is still due to racism. Right. It's still due to what they've instilled in us. Right. Years and years and years of this. And that's. Yes. We got attacked in a way where we were separate. You know, we were separate once we came out of slavery. We still, we still succeeded within that. But what did they do? They came and they burned those down, right? Multiple yes. places we know about. And that's why I'm saying it's not just about because you have people out here saying, well, if you just do good and you just work hard and you become... <laughs> It's not about that because I could do good and I could just work hard and I could become a millionaire. You still gonna try to come and burn it down because you care about the color. You do not care. It is not about money. We can stop pretending that it's about money. It's not. You have shown us over and over again that it is not about money. You care about this color because you know who we are. And that is the point blank period, real deal answer. You know who we are. And so is it different when there is an all black, you know, uh, production or it's becoming different? It was not because it's becoming different now because they're starting to slowly see, oh, wait a minute. Oh, oh, I'm not. I'm, I'm not the head like I thought I was the head. Oh, this doesn't really benefit my people. They're starting to see the tracks. You know, but before all it was was succeed. Right. So everybody's going after, well, we got to not be, you know, in the ghetto anymore. We got to not be poor. We got to not be this. So that's what they're fighting for. Right. But never really seeing that once they fight for that and they get it, all they do is become the oppressor. So you had a lot of black men fighting for positions of power, which was great. They was fighting for equality. But once they got there, they was no more good than the white man over them. They became the white man over the rest of the black people. And so the ways of oppression, that patriarchy, all of that is what they still instill, which is why you still see you know, light skin versus dark, you know, the, the love interest is still going to be light. She's still going to be mixed looking. She's still going to be not that that can't be a love interest, but do it have to be every love interest? <laughs> Does nobody like the girl like me, you know, or the girl like you or the girl, you know, which is why I love Viola Davis. Um, and eat, uh, and, and um, how to get away with murder. Let me finish thoughts and sentences because I'll I'll go everywhere. <laughs> but in how to get away with murder, when they interview her, you know a lot about it. And she says, like, well, why not me? Why can't I be the one on the screen, you know, making love to somebody? Why can't? Why can't this man want me? Why? Why? Because in real life, men want me. <laughs> you know what I mean? So you could talk about the way I walk. You could talk about all of that. But the bottom line is men want me. So why can't that be seen? Why is that not showcased? Well, I'll tell you why. Because what has been publicized as right is closer to white, right? And so we seek that. And so, so did, so did they. So they got into positions and they just became the oppressor. And that's why you hear about a lot of this. Stuff. I mean, listen, the Bill Cosby's the whatever, like you hear about all of that stuff now coming out. They're just now understanding too, like, wait a minute, just because something was always done, don't make it right. They're starting to see the era of the ways. And so now, yes, my show, it was predominantly, you know, people of color um, behind the scenes. Of course, there were, you know, white people as well. And, and um, yeah, yeah, but, sure. mm -hmm. but, um, 
Well, but, let's say let's say say what your okay. show is because <laughs> I think it's really important to showcase you because of what you're about to bring up, which is really important. Everything you're saying makes sense for your your career. As I've I looked at it and I followed it. I mean, let me say this, Sabrina, <laughs> you have a. I, I went. I saw all of the work you've been doing, mm. and my. God, it's a long list. Yeah. Thank you. I mean, it's it's just everything. You're so solid. And that's why um, everything you're saying just makes sense. As I'm watching you speak, I'm like, ah, there it is. There it is. Because on April 5th, if you don't have Disney Plus, get it. Because they do focus on Black-centered stories that aren't necessarily focused on the Black. And specifically crossover, the crossover, which and you could, yeah. you could speak to this, Thank speak you. to the crossover Thank and you. tell us what the themes are in crossover. Yeah. And if you could do me a favor and just do my favorite line <laughs> <laughs> of where it? you told him. I am about <laughs> Please GPA. do that. I love that line. <laughs> uh, well, I'm Sabrina Ravel and I play Crystal Bell on the crossover, <laughs> which is a Disney, Disney Plus series. So like she said, if you don't have Disney Plus, get it. It just aired April 5th, so get it and stream it and binge it. You can binge it all at once. Um, and it is about a powerful um, example of a of a um, functional family, you know, functional family who puts one another first, who loves on one another. And it is just that. It is about family. And yes, they happen to be Black, but anybody can watch the show and relate to it. You know, that's another thing I'm tired of. You know, their stories are universal and our stories are Black, Asian, Latina. No, it's just a show. And yes, it's going to be Black because we Black. You know what I'm saying? It's going to be Latino because they Latina. You know, it's like you don't have to label everything like that and separate everything. It makes people not want to watch AI too gets on my nerves with this when they you know Netflix want to show you every black series and it's like what are they showing white people you know you wonder why people don't ever hear about your shows or know about your shows the point of marketing is to show it to everybody let people choose what they want to watch but they do this thing oh you watch this type so they only want to show you this type anyway I, I feel like the crossover is very and very important um, to showcase us is <laughs> It's just that simple to showcase us as human beings. We are people, people who happen to be black, you know, live in a black experience, but definitely people, period. Sorry, I was going to say your line for you. <laughs> oh, yes. No, no. Yeah. Please say the line. I loved it so much. And Crystal is about GPA, not MBA. Okay. <laughs> That's what you said. Okay, cool. Because <laughs> <laughs> she said, you were looking at your son, you're like, uh-uh, uh-uh, get that homework done. Get that homework so done. So I, I just, I love it. So what are some of the themes that are universal in this that people can take away when they watch? I believe support is the biggest, support and balance. You know, support and balance is the biggest themes that I hope people see and take away from the show. Um, you know, going through life alone is very hard. I'm, I'm a loner. I don't have a huge family and I have my family that's around me, you know, but um, it is hard. You you need support at some point, you know, or another. And I hope they see that we are there supporting one another. And 
I think middle class, it's like upper middle class is a theme. You know, I think it's a theme and it deserves to be seen. I grew up middle class, but lower middle class, so very, very different experience, but still middle class nonetheless. You know, I grew up blue collar. I'm from Philadelphia. So working class. Um, so am I, girl, West Philly in the house. <laughs> yeah. Yes, Philly. Oh, I knew it was love something. It, oh, it, that is it. hilarious. Wow, West yeah, Philly. Okay, boy. Born and raised. Yeah. <laughs> That's right. Born <laughs> I'm from Uptown. I'm from West Oak Lane, okay. Mount Erie. Yeah. Got so, you, got you. <laughs> wow, 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 wow. Yes. Um, and so, you know, Sorry, I, okay, I, 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 I got excited. I, I Go ahead. No, it's okay. That's how, you know, Philly, Philly people. Yeah. We love, we love <laughs> Philadelphia. <laughs> we love it. Um, but yeah, I, did, I'm, I wasn't raised in the hood or, you know, and a lot of people don't know Philly. Yeah. They think, oh, mm-hmm. just because you're not in the hood, then you're in like suburbia. It's like, no, it ain't that. <laughs> the whole right. city is very yeah. blue collar. It's the very, very, middle. yeah, it's the real middle. So, you know, yeah, very blue, uh, blue collar, yeah. but, but middle class nonetheless. And it's like, it's time to show everybody deserves to be seen. I'm not one of them people who's like, yeah. I don't want to see another hood story or anything. I, I believe everybody's story deserves to be seen, but there is mm-hmm. a balance. Mm-hmm. There is a balance. And so yeah. if we leave it up to them, they'll keep placing us in these slavery and in these hoods and all of these things. Mm-hmm. And so that is why it's important for us to, to answer your earlier question. That's why it's important for us to create mm-hmm. our own. It is important for us to be behind the scenes if they tell our stories, it's going to be told from their perspective and from their points of view. Yeah. And unfortunately, a yeah. lot of times they don't know that that has already been dictated for them. Right. And so we yeah. can share our stories and the real deal of it from our own perspectives. Mm-hmm. Like I, mm-hmm. I, I keep saying in a lot of interviews that like this is not a dream. Because I heard one person say, yeah, and and then people can dream right to get here. And it's like, yeah, somebody mm-hmm. is not where Chuck Bell and Crystal Bell is and they want to get there so sure they can dream and that's why it deserves to be seen as well but mm-hmm. we're also telling the truth this is not a fairy tale you know what i mean like there are right. black people who are in upper middle class like let's stop this narrative let's stop it there are black people who were millionaires right out of slavery right out of slavery like let's stop it stop yeah. it stop yeah. this narrative so yeah it's it's very important um the theme of middle class to me, upper middle class and support and love. Um, yeah. And and the showrunner Kwame Alexander, he talks about crossover in an interview on MXDWN.com with Victoria. And in it, he says, how do you adapt to these things that are happening in your life that you don't think you have control over or you don't have control over? How do you stay focused? How do you stay successful? By the way, that was the moment. There's a moment that you have in with your husband. I don't want to give away anything, but where you're achieving something. Mm-hmm. And I think I have yet to have seen the celebration between a black woman and a black man for a woman getting what she deserves. That was a powerful scene for me. I know it's. You know, it's not black. It could it really can apply across across the board for for Mm -hmm. women in general. But when a a man celebrates you for achieving success, just seeing that. Yeah. Was like, oh, there's some good writers in that room Mm. because I was like, oh, my God, how many relationships have I had Mm. 
where I just wanted the guy to not compete with me, maybe, mm-hmm. or, you know, just to have that. You know, we talk about equality. Yeah. 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 And support of the woman in the household. Support and balance. That's an incredible scene. Yeah, support oh. and balance. And and did you see her though hiding it and pushing it down? Like, what do we do? You know what I mean? To 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 benefit him. What yes. what do women and wives do consistently? push their own dreams down, push their own wins down to take care of their families. You know what I mean? Their focus is like, oh, my family, I got to put my family first. It's like there needs to be balance. There needs to be balance. And so I love that moment, too. And, you know, and it just it's eye opening, like you said, to like, wow, you don't even realize you're missing it till you see it. And that's why this is important. too. You need to see this, guys. Like, get Disney Plus. You need to watch the crossover because I do believe, you know, because I do believe that there are like subtleties and things that we're showing that you don't see in every show. You know, even other black shows, they're they're not seen. And and one of my biggest things too is that we're all brown. And I, my mom is light. My hope, my almost my whole family is very very light. So I always say, like, of course, there's no shade, you know, but we know why we say that you you rarely see brown on brown together. You know what I mean? That is a strong picture to see. And so, yeah, to see this brown man loving this brown woman on here, you know, it's it's important. It's important. On Disney. On On Disney. I, I was about to say that and our kids, you know, uh, so it's so much of that emulation that comes from what we watch. And, you know, for a while there, it was like just so much about the drug, you know, the narcos and, you know, the kids are watching all these things that I guess are supposed to be telling a true story about drugs, but actually sensationalize it in a way where I think the kids are like, oh, this is cool, you know. And I, I just feel like the options are so um, limited and I love that you're doing this. And, um, and I, you know, I tried to watch as much as I can without having Disney, but I'm gonna have to go ahead and, oh, <laughs> and get oh, it. Yes. <laughs> I, I mean, of all the platforms, one of the platforms I'm noticing that really is good with us black folks is Disney. You know, because I see some networks like canceling shows too early Mm because, you know, streaming is going through its changes and stuff. And there, you know, you have the Batgirl that was movie that was canceled before it even came out because of some tax cuts. That's what they say. But when they cut films, when they cut series, it's, you know, usually shows of color, Mm -hmm. marginalized stories that are getting cut first. So... I find Disney does a really good job. Also, you are also, you know, it's funny because I've had a couple of the actresses on the show that you've worked with as well. Like um, Kelly, is it Kelly Jenrette? Oh, Kelly, yeah, 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 yeah. I've had Kelly and I just had um, Deandra. Deandra was on the show Mm -hmm. just last, just this past week. I mean, the week before. And they're all in the All American Homecoming, which is another show on the CW network that is just a celebration. I mean, everyone's having a good time. Mm-hmm. You, you know, it's young. It's it, these are just casts that I am so envious mm-hmm. of. Like I'm like, can I get in? Can I like? Can I mop the floor or something in the background? I just want to because you guys look like you're having so much fun. It is, it is a lot of fun. I'm so proud of the lead on All American Homecoming, which is Jeffrey Maya. 
um, Jeffrey, female lead. <laughs> Her name is Jeffrey. It's so cute. Mm-hmm. Um, but yes, female lead. Uh, <laughs> so proud of her so proud of her and it, it it is a great show again depicting us in a way that we should be you know depicted um and yeah i i'd like to give disney their props you know we get asked a lot like is it real do you believe it's for real you know and i just say i hope so you know i hope they are doing it for mm. the right reasons you know what i mean and and as they should you know as they should but yeah, yeah. i do have to give a shout out to them because um they took a chance on me, you know, they took a chance on me. As you Mm -hmm. stated, I I mean, I have a long list. I've been working, I'm not new to this, but I'd never had a series regular before, you know? And so a lot of people I went up against, they had series. Congratulations. Thank you. you. So yeah, I had recurring, you know, but never had a series regular. And, um, you know, they took a chance on me, you know, that shout out to the casting director, Leah Daniels, because, you know, she That's told me, she's like, I was praying for you because I thought they was going to say, you look too young. You know, you're not credited enough. You know, it's just a mm-hmm. lot of things that you can't quite control. And they they literally took a chance on me. So I'm grateful to them. And yeah, I, I pray that it is real, you know. Um, but yes, homecoming. Love homecoming. Um, everybody says, why are you so mm-hmm. mean? <laughs> homecoming, my character. Is so- <laughs> I'm not so glad like that. <laughs> <laughs> and do you yeah, write, your acting is great do you write so, as well yeah. i mean is that your background oh yeah, yeah okay I, yeah i'm a i'm a comedian uh-huh. um so um and then also i write um and i'm developing a show myself uh-huh. so when i see scripts i and i i, I that's why I, I love the themes mm-hmm. that is in in her show because i can when yeah. when I'm developing a show, I think of these themes. I think of moments like that. I and I know how hard mm. it is to get a show on the air and to get cast. Mm. Is mm. like she was saying, some things are just like Sabrina was saying. Some things are just out of your control. Mm-hmm. So it is a big deal. It's real, mm-hmm. and That's I amazing. congratulate yeah. you. Yeah. Now I do want to hop into some hot topics. Okay. You ladies okay. are so incredible. <laughs> like I said, I could talk to just you about yourselves, but these topics are also apply to you and everything that you're working on. I think th- I will go to this one because I think it's th- probably it's an important one for us as Black women. A California bill would create an alert system for missing black women and youth. And I, this is like, I mean, it's sad. It's sad that we have to still, like you said, we're still working the battle. Thousands of black youth and women go missing at a disproportionate rate and are not often publicized to get media attention. To combat that, Bill 673 was proposed in California that would create an Ebony Act which would act similarly to an amber or silver alert. Senator Stephen Bradford introduced the bill to eliminate the racial biases in cases involving persons of color. Mm -hmm. So you hear that like Natalie Wilson, the co-founder of the Black and Missing Foundation, hopes that the new proposed system will work with media and law enforcement to help families with urgent search of finding their loved ones. So when you hear that and all the work that you're doing, Latanya, like, how do you? So a couple of things. The first time I heard it, you know, a little while ago before I re-looked at it um, for for the show um, was, you know, oh my God, well, 
you know, I hope people will pay attention, you know, because it's like if you start separating it out, you know, people will be like, oh, that's just an ebony alert. It's not like a amber. But I mean, that's because of where I come from. You know, I've seen so much of it, you know, so I'm like, I just to be real, I was like, gosh, I hope people don't shut it down. You know, like white people here and be like, it's not real. It's not. It's just an ebony alert. But then I was reading all the data, you know, behind missing persons um, of of African-American descent. And it, it is it is hard to to read. It's so it's like this thing, you know, where we try to keep moving forward, you know, right? We try to put, you know, all the bad history behind us and be like hopeful and praying that it will it will allow us to keep moving forward without disruptions from this this system. But what is what she's saying is so right. I had no idea until I read it that how many uh, of our cases go unsolved and how and, and, you know, you could look at how I think what you were saying, Sabrina, the symptoms around is the shooting, the police shooting. Right. And it's like but there's so much behind that. Right. Before you even see that. And that's where this is. It's the same. Right. It's the same thing that they're doing is, um, you know, it is because they're black people that the police and that, you know, others, even at the hospital, they were talking about, you know, cases where, you know, people, uh, girls come into the hospitals and they're clearly being trafficked, but they don't report it. You know, all of these things, that is just a, a huge problem. And so to me, California always is the first to get laws like this. If you think about it, they always testing them here in California. And then if they work, they become much broader. So my, my hope is let's try it. And if it works here, I'm in California, then let's spread it out to the rest of the country. Let's see if that data starts changing because we're very specific about looking for uh, missing, missing people of African-American descent. Yeah, my my um, I would vote for it. Obviously, Um, it's needed. But my sentiments are the same in this in the the fact that we have the bill at all should show and be an example to white folks of racism, period. There would be no reason for it if there wasn't clear bias in this world. And I would pose the question, how sick does an individual have to be to ignore the life of a person? Or how racist does an individual have to be to ignore the life of a missing person, missing young? These are children and women. You know, but a lot of times this younger, you don't even, it doesn't even bother you, just rolls off your shoulder like it's nothing. That's a problem. That's a problem when Mm -hmm. it's your job, Mm -hmm. especially, you know, it's different when it's the everyday person. I mean, they they still should care, but when it's your job, you just look at a news, Mm -hmm. oh, okay, whatever. Oh, it's a white girl missing. Oh, let's, Mm -hmm. that's crazy to me. And yeah, I think the separation is just like, the fact that we have to separate it is crazy because all it's going to be all of us who cares who has the app yeah. who you know what mm-hmm. I mean? it's going to be all of us of so course. it's us taking yeah. care of us mm-hmm. you know and and like we do yeah like we do yeah like we do and like we should do mm-hmm. but where's the humanity of the majority mm-hmm. since y'all like to be called the majority mm-hmm. you know where's the humanity mm-hmm. where's your humanity so, you know, yeah. and where's the media like they always beg for us to help them out. Mm. I mean, that's been their complaint, right? The the media needs our help and be, being the media. And yet, sorry, I just looked over my glass. When I get angry now, I do this. <laughs> <laughs> I just realized I did that. You got like, to oh. see clearly. <laughs> but these corporations that own the media, 
is to we need to really find out who and what and where and point the finger because i mean we can we can look at fox news as an example of how they do news versus how everyone else does news and i i'm glad that la is doing this but i also feel like there's another aspect of this that needs to go a little further as far as like what news channels are actually covering our stories it's the same internationally though marina you saw i mean of course it's a tragedy in the ukraine but you saw that that took over i mean how many conflicts are there in in africa and asia um but even still now to this day how long that the media keeps up with that right so that's it's it's a again it's one of those challenges that we got to beat down out of us because if you're going to cover it, cover it at all, cover all of it. Don't cover the one that looks like you because that's important to you because it looks like you. Um, you got to cover all of the, the trauma and atrocities that are happening in the world. And you got to show people that it's all wrong, not just the ones that's happening to the white people. Um, and we go through that a lot in my organization. You get more calls when there's some kind of tragedy, you know, in the part of the world where the people look like like the ones with most of the, the money. Mm-hmm. And we have mm-hmm. to, um, and, but, you know, to be fair, it's because also they see it so much on the media, right? So if they saw right. some of these other situations in a balanced way, like you were saying, in a balanced way, if we saw them all, then we could try to start formulating our, you know, our, our own opinions around what's happening and what kind of support we have to give. But when we only see one, that's what people sort of gravitate towards and think that's the most important one when actually it's, it's not. Yeah. George Floyd, the, what happened to people during the lockdown when with George Floyd is an example of no one could look away. Mm, Yeah. They were forced to see it. And then all of a sudden I got all these floods of calls from my white friends. Like, is this real? Mm. Which told me every day. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, Like they weren't seeing what I was seeing. Yeah. All the time. There you go. But for the first time. You hit it on the head, though. They're not seeing what we. I tell white people all the time your media, your Instagram, your Twitter. You do not get half the stuff I see. And and that's why sometimes, you know, if you go on my Instagram right now, you're going to see a bunch of stuff about. us black people, a bunch of stuff about equality, mm-hmm. a bunch of stuff. I'm always, always an yeah. advocate for us. Oh yeah, um, no, I I saw your poster, your demand for a proper investigation of Shanquilla Robinson. Mm-hmm. I saw that. Mm-hmm. That's why I also was glad we put this on because you were like, we need to do this. Yeah, like, you, like, you go in. Yeah, I do. I do. And people, they're like, <laughs> they they be scared. But you know, my thing is. <laughs> <laughs> Be, I love it. They be, yeah. for me. they be scared for me. But listen, <laughs> my thing is, you know, I told my childhood best friend I was on the or my high school best friend. I was on the phone with him maybe about a month ago. He was like, you know, it's a time and a place. And I said, yeah, every day. And it, it was like we said it almost at the same mm-hmm. time, you know, he because he realized what he said. He's like, you know what? No. And I'm like, every day. Every day, there is a time and a place. Every day, you are talking about our lives, and that's what they they want you to believe that it's it's something else. No, this is our lives. This is our livelihood. This is our happiness. That's why when you come to me and you ask me to make a statement about Black history, I don't know if you saw my Hulu quote that I put out there. You know, thank you for giving me this platform. It's on my Instagram, but thank you for giving me this platform, but please don't release this unless I can release the whole statement. 
you know, because I'm very big on saying what needs to be said. It doesn't mean it needs to be nasty or rude, but it does need to be pointed. It does need to be said. We have lived in this fluff world for so long and we're not getting anywhere. You want me to give it to you with sugar? We done did that. We done did that. We continue to do it on Broadway. You you pay for it. You go and spend money to be told how bad you are in a fun and cute, funny way. You pay to see comedians. You do all that and you turn a blind eye the moment you walk out that theater. I'm no longer giving you sugar. You will get the truth with no chaser. And you, now Sabrina, but she, Sabrina okay. has to be congratulated because you have a platform of which people will listen to you. And so, I, you know, I just feel like, and that's, that's the whole thing about the everyday family. It's like, you, sh- you don't even have to do that, but you do it because it's important to you. And you know that the only way that we will get rid of some of this toxic bullshit that we're living with is if people speak up. And so I, I have to congratulate you because I feel like if everybody with a platform felt like they needed to tell the truth, then we wouldn't be in a situation. That yeah, we're it would in be right way now, different. Sure. It would be way different. For sure. But of course, we're yeah. taught to be. I mean, that's why they do school the way they do. We all know. We know why we are bred yeah. the way we're bred. We're mm-hmm. bred to be workers. We're bred to, mm-hmm. you know, keep quiet and just do what you're told and all mm-hmm. of that. Well, it's a new day. I just saw Air. Did y'all see Air, the movie Air? I haven't seen it. Not uh, yet. The Michael I just Jordan saw the, about the yeah, Okay, the well, I won't yeah, story. anything. Mm-hmm. But you know the story. I mean, the story has been out there, like how mm-hmm. they did. I mean, kudos to that mother, to his mother. Kudos yeah. to his mother. Absolutely. That, Absolutely. You, again, <laughs> mother, the mother and the black mm-hmm. mother, right? But kudos to that mother because, you know, they like to say this, this is their favorite word. And by there, I mean corporate. Their favorite word mm-hmm. is precedent, you know? It, it, oh, that's mm-hmm. unheard of. It's, it, you know, we'll set a different precedence, a precedence, a precedence. We can't, we can't, you know, like set a different precedence. And it's yeah. just a way to keep you where you're at, not owning yeah. anything, not having any IP while they make millions off of you and you get off pennies. You. Huh? Yeah. Where does yeah. that make yeah. sense? But that's how it Mm-mm. always was. Just because something has always been does not mean it should remain. That's right. How is that fair? You are making money won't. off of me yeah. and my, and it's not, and it didn't, you know, and it didn't. And yeah. that's the beauty of it. And that's what we, we have to be fearless like that. You know, yeah. we have to yeah. be, I'm not, you know, you say the platform, but I'm actually not at a place. That's why people are so scared because they're like, get there first. You know, there's, and I'm like, listen, I could die tomorrow. <laughs> I could die tomorrow. I could die today. You know, we say tomorrow I could hang up this zoom and die. I can't, I have to speak truth. You know, I have to speak truth. Now I love Sabrina's like energy. Oh yeah. You know, and I know, I believe you're younger than me. Probably. I only bring this (laughs) up because Latanya, you talk about young feminism, Mm -hmm. like get out of their way. Like I'm going to get out of Sabrina's way. Yeah. 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 Absolutely. (laughs) Absolutely. Because you see Sabrina has got it Right. Right. My generation, I'm in my 50s, mm-hmm, right? Mm-hmm. I know I don't look it. Hello. <laughs> um, You're a gorgeous girl. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah. you know, but my generation was so hesitant. And, and I, I, maybe I'm overgeneralizing, too, for my generation. But I just my experience around it, The, the I listened to Sabrina and I, you know, like Zainab, who's been on the show. 
I love when young sisters come on yeah. my show. They're, yeah. they're so much more um, engaged and they get it out there. Yeah. Like I was looking at this article that I put in about Scott Walker, who blames young voters for GOP's losses in Wisconsin, but offers a few solutions for winning them back. Um, so former Wisconsin Governor Scott Walker has pinned the recent losses of the Republican Party on young voters. On Tuesday, Democrats scored a major victory when the liberal candidate Janet, oh, this name, I am not going to, Protasio, yes. yes. Mm -hmm. It's a law, it's a, it's a hard name for me. Protasio, oh, yeah, she won. <laughs> a seat on the Wisconsin State Supreme Court. And this gave them the majority in a race that shattered spending records. Um, she won by 11% over her conservative opponent. So what are, what are you seeing with young voters, too? This is exciting to me. Yeah. Latanya. No, I mean, it's amazing. I mean, it's the same thing that I'm saying in the book about young feminists. And he, you know, he wants young people to, you know, choose a side. My hope is that this is not that generation anymore. It's like they'll choose the side that makes the most sense for them. Um, not because my father and his father and that, you know, were Republicans that we going to go down that lane. And I and I'm just hopeful that that's what's happening. Um and even in the situations where they're going to lean more right than left, I'd rather them do that because that's what they believe than just because it comes from, you know, whatever, you know, white sort of mandate that they get, whether that's from their families or from politics or from media. So, I mean, he talking about I'm glad that the young people stood up and voted the way that they did wherever they lean. And I'm glad that young people want to get out and vote, that they see it is useful for their own, you know, benefit to be able to be politically active because that's the only way we're going to change where we, where we are. Right. Um, if we, if we don't encourage young people to get in the game, then what's going to happen 20 years. I'm so sick of these people. I'm just like, even my generation, but the generation before ours, right. It's time for them to go. They still over there. They're the ones that's making all these decisions um, and trying to get people to align and fearful. That's what they are because they're seeing the change. They're seeing the shows like crossover. They're seeing, you know, things on TV they didn't want to see. They're seeing, you know, whether it's trans people or, or whatever, you know, and they start getting excited and upset. So they start pushing back with these ridiculous policies, the whole road thing, you know. So that's, to me, is the only way we're going to get out of that is if these young people... And that's why I say with young feminists, like, I mean, like yourself, Sabrina, I don't know whether you call yourself a feminist, but I do, goddamn. And like, I am totally out of your way. I'm totally going to support your show and send it to everybody because I... I, I just want to be able to get to a day where I feel like that I can rest. Right. Because yeah. I know y'all got it. And and that's, that's how I feel. I, I see you. I see all y'all. And it's like amazing to see you. Yeah. Listen, the fact amazing. that they put, the fact that they put so much effort in taking away our vote. And that's another thing that a lot of the majority yeah. does not understand is real. They put actual mm -hmm. effort into taking away our vote, black people's vote, not mm -hmm. just the vote, mm -hmm. our vote should tell you that it's important. Yeah. So when you hear the, you know, oh, it's not important. And I understand the reasons why, because when you grow up being told consistently that you have no power and you're being shown that you have no power, well, you feel mm -hmm. like you have no power. Yeah. And so it's easy for you to think, oh, they're going to do whatever they want to do whenever they want to do it. So my vote doesn't matter. 
but you've mm. got to think logically. Yeah. Why are they fighting so much? Why are they doing all this red lining go. and red tape and changing all these things? Why? If it just didn't matter, if it just, they wouldn't put all this effort into it. So it has to matter. It has to matter. Yeah. Again, I say that so yeah. simply like that because I think a lot of us do overthink things. And it's like, it's just, it's simple. If you know you wouldn't trade places with me, then you know racism is real. If they're fighting against your mm-hmm. vote and trying to take it away legally, then you know it's worth something. Yeah. You don't got to know everything. <laughs> here, here. Yeah. 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 Here, here. Yeah, we can we can see that the um, the right has put so much effort. That's why these judges are in place mm-hmm. the way they are. This was all intentional. Oh, brilliant chess game. That's what I keep telling people. And so, and you know, I'm a lawyer. So you, this has, this didn't just start. You go back. I mean, you know, before Obama. So even maybe to the first Bush, I would say, um, Mm. was probably where they started Mm -hmm. switching over the judiciary and really targeting the judiciary. Because before, remember, it was much more about the legislature and what you could, what policy you can put in place, um, even from the executive branch, if you were in control. But now look at it. They done turned over the whole judicial system. And so whatever happens, you know, in one state, one region now bubbles up and now the Supreme Court, as you can see, and it's always like, I'm like, whenever they put a black woman in, she got to come save the damn day because the court is a mess now and she's the one who's been put in there and I mark my words she is going to make history in trying to change that nonsense over there now do you think they're going to get Clarence Thomas on these these uh trips he went on this gift he was given that he didn't report because he you know he went on these expensive he claims that he that didn't he was know like, oh, it's just oh, a nice just a, trip. yeah no I didn't know <laughs> I didn't know I couldn't take a day on the government's dime. Right. Well, and they didn't pull him down on his, I thought they had a better chance with his wife stuff, you know, all that she was doing um, from, for the Republican party, um, understanding that you can't do that. He has to be impartial. Right. So I feel like they can go after him, but it just seems like nothing is going to stick. And they've got this whole thing, this undertone, okay, well, it's a black man. And so should, you know, should we push, push, push? And I'm talking about from the right side, you know, yeah. so they, they may not push as hard, but all I got to say is you could talk about his trips, but let's talk about some of them other ones trips in there too, because yeah. I refuse to believe it's just him. Yes. Mm. Politics, yeah. boy. Yeah. yeah. How do you, how do you wrap your mind? How, you know, it's like I said, like, I am in a place where I do see where people tap out of politics because you just see these dead ends sometimes. Mm. How do you how do you resolve that in yourself? Like, that's a hard one. I mean, listen, we've got some amazing public servants, some black public servants that have done um, an amazing job. Um, I I don't know how old you are, Sabrina, but, you know, it it just seems like with all the big major cities, right, there was you can always point back to this time in history where shit got so bad. Corruption was horrible. And then some black person came in and took over and cleaned it up. And then they they had to leave because of corruption. Right. It's like this kind of cycle that we go on. Um, in the way that things get done. So, you know, I want to, I think politics is a, it can be a dirty game, but when you start thinking about sort of local politics and who's showing up and who's doing the work, again, I go right back to 
a lot of sisters are out there. They're not in those like mayor positions or whatever, but they lined across the bureaucracy and the politics to, to keep the work moving and keep it moving in the right way. And so, I mean, we can't ever get to a point where we get frustrated just because our leadership is not what we want because that we have the power to change that. And we should. But what we can't forget is the underbelly of our government is really, really manned by a bunch of impressive people who have spent their life doing that work and do it in the really best and ethical way that is, is, is I mean, I've ever seen in any country that I've lived in. So I, I just want to, you know, say we might have all this, you know, trouble at the higher end, but, you know, d- don't forget what keeps keeps it going and what keeps it right and just. You know, I love that you said that because that's going to, that's going to feed me to keep going, you know, because I, 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 I get frustrated sometimes, you know, but then I can't help myself. Like today I, I heard a, um, an elderly woman outside mm-hmm. yelling about in the back of my building, yelling about them putting garbage by her window. Mm. And, you know, I could tell they weren't respecting her because she was elderly mm-hmm. and she was, but she was very upset. You know, I go, I, I go in, I went out there, I sit on the fire escape, took a picture, reported it to 311. Okay. I'm like, you gonna mess with this old lady? You think she ain't doing nothing, but I'm gonna do something mm-hmm. on the back end. If I see garbage on my street in Harlem, if I see it done in the, if it's not, if the, I just, I take, I report it mm-hmm. every single time because I'm like, this can't continue to go on. And then I see like, neighborhoods taking care of the garbage mm, in Harlem, mm. like community groups taking care of garbage. Cool. And I'm like, yeah, cause someone else, someone obviously doesn't care about the garbage. Cause if I go anywhere below 110th street to 59th street on the East side, I don't see, see garbage. garbage right. on the street. Mm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, um, it's interesting. So I love what you say, you know, Latan. Yeah, go ahead. Sorry. I was just going to say it's interesting. You mentioned that because when I stayed in New Orleans, we shot the show in New Orleans. And so I stayed there for a little over three months and I stayed, Mm -hmm. I stayed in a back house of a, of a, you know, a couple who owned the house and they happened to be a white couple in the hood. Right. Um, obviously it's, Mm -hmm gentrifying right (laughs) so they Uh saw the opportunity five years ago they had been there for five years and it's just really turning over so they had the like you know foresight to see that anyway super Mm -hmm. cool um couple but i stayed in their back house and he the husband said to me he said you know it this is the beauty about that right we know gentrification Mm -hmm. it got its issues but the beauty about somebody getting in early they get to experience and see what we actually go through and they get mm. to see that it's not, you know, the boy who cried wolf, you know, right. and he mentioned mm. the trash thing. He just said, like, mm. this is beyond crazy. Even see it's down to mindsets, too, is what we were saying earlier. Mm. It really doesn't matter yes. the color they have embedded and taught you not to respect this area, even if you That's live right. here. They have taught you that. Right. And if you don't actively go against that, then you wind up becoming one of them. And so he was like, he's talking about the guys who the truck, the trash truck drivers. He's like, Mm. they don't care at all. I go to, you know, the neighborhood my mom lives in and it's completely different. But these are the same truck. You know, they're not like these different guys. Like It's the same guys driving, but Mm. they know not Mm -hmm. to play over there. Right. Right. They know yes. not to do that over there. And see, that's the difference. 
That is what racism is, right? Yeah. Racism is insidious. Mm-hmm. It's insidious. Yeah. It's put in everything mm-hmm. you see, everything you hear, everything you read. Children are, I mean, we could go to just the brown paper bag thing, right? Or the doll thing, light skin doll versus brown skin doll, yeah. right? Which one you like. Children mm-hmm. are not being taught at home, like this doll better, don't like mm-hmm. this doll, right? Subconsciously, right. they've been taught this. These children, and so they know, they go right after the light one. Doesn't matter, mm-hmm. white, black, Asian, they go right after the white one. Because yeah, I've been yeah, told yeah. subconsciously that that is right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's better. Yeah, I wonder if they did that test lately, though. Um, they had. They I, I have that. Have they? Is it still the yeah, same? Yeah, you can see something. Mm-hmm, oh. It's sadly mm-hmm. still oh, the same. Still the same. Mm-hmm. You can see some on YouTube. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's still the same. Oh. They choose. Yeah. The light mm-hmm. dial. There was like one or two who chose the who chose the black dial. It's like one or two, mm. but for the most part, it didn't matter. Latina, Asian, uh, Latino, uh, black, you know, mm-hmm, so mm-hmm. white because that's, it's yeah. still major. That's why I yeah, laugh when you hear people true. like, yeah. it's mm. all about, well, if I was black, I'll have an agent. Or if I was black, I'll be booking. Like, it's all about the, oh, cause, cause now there's a, a 2% difference. You believe <laughs> that your position is affected. <laughs> okay. Well, welcome to our world because you've been 99 <laughs> and we've been mm. one for our whole mm. entire lives. So welcome, right. yes. welcome yeah. to back. It's nice here. Yeah. <laughs> Makes you stronger. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, now for your ca- yeah. character. You guys are, you both are so awesome. <laughs> uh, this next article on, it's called Mifeprestone. Am I saying it yeah. right? Mifeprestone. Is ruling set up first major post row abortion case at Supreme Court. A pair of contradictory federal court rulings Friday over the abortion pill, Mifepristone, will almost certainly cue the issue up for the Supreme Court, marking the first significant abortion case to land on the high court's docket since a majority of justices last year overturned Roe versus Wade. Hmm. A major decision Friday by U.S. District Judge Matthew, this is another name, Kazamarik will be appealed to the Louisiana-based U.S. Court of Appeals for the Fifth Circuit, which frequently sides against the Biden administration. So what's ha- I, I'm, try- I'm trying to understand what's happening. So they don't want us to have the abortion pill. This is an appointed, uh, right-wing appointed judge who is going against FDA-regulated... Drugs. Uh, yeah. Drugs. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's exactly right. And so uh, it wasn't enough that you have a policy now that is controlled by the states to make decisions around women's bodies and when and if they want children. Now you want to say that the options that are being made by a federal body that really has nothing to do with you because it's all medical, right? Um, You want to outlaw that too. So, and actually, Mifepristone has other uses than just abortion. So, I think it's been named the abortion oh. pill, but you know, it does other things. And, um, and honestly, this is, um, you know, this is just more of the same. And in, in a country, I, you know, I gotta say, where they have been allowed to do this, I think Sabrina used voting. You know, the the districting, the you know, the redistricting of, of votes and stuff. It's the same. It's the same thing. You you just using the system to try to make your philosophical point, your religious, emotional, whatever they want to call it, point around this. So you already have the law. 
you already now made Roe has been overturned and you have this law dictating what women in your state can do. And now you want to go one step further and just not make it available to them if in the case that they want to use it on their own. So this is what's happening. That's all it is. It's like more of the patriarchy, more of the fundamentalism, um, more of a country that I feel like is sliding into a whole lot of muck by allowing this nonsense to happen and by allowing Roe to go away with the court. Remember, I was just saying, Katanji Brown is going to have to change the, you know, the... (laughs) So I looked at all my everyday feminists. They got to change shit, you know, because this is crazy what they're doing now. So they're actually saying to the FDA, you can't approve it. You can't actually say it's kind of like marijuana. You can't actually say that it's okay for people to take, even though it is. You're going to criminalize it for your own personal benefit, although it has nothing to do with the truth. Yeah. What is the other use of what is they're saying? It's it's OK. It's not harmful. They've had studies. Yeah. What what other use is it other outside of the uh, board? Like, I don't know exactly, but I do think that you can also stop hemorrhaging with it. Um, mm. you know, blood hemorrhages with it. So I know that it has been used in other cases. And and uh, most of what I know is from other countries. So, um, there, and there's this combination of drugs that you can take to do certain things to help um, people. So it, it's not the only, only use, but it's the predominant use that's, that's out and with, there. And what the judge is really fighting for right now is that it's not used while they figure it out, right? So he wants it to, he That's wants you to stop yeah. using it now, like now, even while, you know, it's in uh, talks or. But there's no know, medical anything. reason. There, there's no yeah, medical no. reason to start it. And there's no precedent for the FDA to have to stop. To, you know, you get what I mean? There's no, because federally they're okay. <laughs> you know, so why, why do you think this is it, so, right? why do you think this is so important to him or them? Um. So because it it works. Right. And so if you can um, listen, I'm going to just be frank. I think if you can throw some of these issues, which I'll call shade up, that people get very emotional about and it goes to sort of who they are. And that's what happens with abortion. Right. Because it's a very personal thing. It really Mm -hmm. shouldn't be in politics at all because it is a very Mm -hmm. personal thing. Right. Period. Mm -hmm. Right. And from the beginning of the time it was, it wasn't like this just happened like, you know, a few Mm -hmm. years ago. Right. And these women have been making these decisions forever. And so I think, but what, what is working is that when you put that into politics, people do get emotionally jarred. You do get people to one side or the other fight. You know, they're going they gonna to make, they're going to want to make their point. It's very, it's very important to them. Um, and so now if you have an issue to me, that is actually a non-issue, honestly, mm-hmm. you, you know, I won't even go for it. Cause if you want to, you know, if you want to do it, you can, I mean, it can be unsafe or safe. And that's really what we're talking about here when you're talking about legal or illegal. But um, I think once you find an issue that people will sort of get behind and, and, and focus on, then some of the other real issues, the systemic hard stuff that we've been talking about, whether it's racism or sexism or all of the other things that's happening in our country, um, then you can you can get people lost. You know? okay, so, so now the issue is it's a distraction. It's a That's distraction. Okay. Now everybody's well, Republicans on it. don't. Yeah. Back to the the youth thing. Republicans have no platform outside of just saying no mm-hmm. to stuff, right? Like, what is their platform? 
I mean, it's a distraction. Their economic policies, though, are think about their corporate policies. Think about those are their policies. They want to keep them the way they are and or, you know, tank them towards what benefits them. Um, what what benefits the most affluent in the world? What What's that rising gap of inequality that's happening between billionaires and people that's barely making $20,000 a year in a, a, a country, you know, in a country like this, in a state like California? So those are the those are the things that they want to keep moving while we're, you know, the like you were talking about, the middle of us are focused on abortion. They keep driving those other policies. Mm-hmm. I've heard some theory. I asked you because I was curious on your opinion because I heard some theories on um, kind of what you spoke spoke to earlier is that they've gone around and it's like we're the majority. It's like you might be the majority in the U.S., but you're not the majority in the world. Right. Um, and so yeah. they say that the U.S. is going that's even going to change in the U.S. very soon and very quickly. And so I've been hearing that this is their play to keep the white race go, you know, going so that it doesn't wind up being like a mixed mm-hmm. thing that so they're forcing mm-hmm. people to basically have their babies so that, you know, their race continues. That's a theory that I heard. So I was wondering if you thought that was like. Oh, I, I've heard it, too. Issue. But the reality is when you look at who these laws are impacting, mm-hmm. it's not the case because okay. Miss Becky Sue or Karen can hop over can go and to get, whatever yeah. state mm-hmm. or mm-hmm. Right. That's the reality. The other reality is like people like us that can barely sometimes pay all of our bills and come out on top won't have the extra, you know, now, you know, maybe it was 250 before. I'm just saying now you got to add a plane ticket to that in a stay, you know, Mm -hmm. to to make Mm -hmm. sure you're healthy um, and get back. And you probably already have children or at least some responsibilities at home, including a job. So to, to be frank, I've heard that too, but I don't think it's going to get it. What if that is their case? That's not going to get them there, right? Because mm-hmm. women can go anywhere they want, even before all of this, before Roe. You know, a lot of the women were going over to Europe, right? You, you get what I mean? Or had special doctors, or had lived, I was going to, you know, who would do it, right? Yeah. yeah, who had so so you know, for the people that can afford it, which are the people, in my guess, is that they do want to have more children. I do believe that. Um, then they can figure out a way. It's it's usually uh, a lot of us in the middle class and of brown and black skin that have the trouble. Um, they don't listen to us anyway. I mean, you see the maternal mortality among um, black That's people in the South. Um, you know, don't get the support they need anyway around our reproductive health. And so mm-hmm. now here's one more thing that we got to maneuver um, mm-hmm. when we need it. What are some things that, we should be thinking about to outmaneuver like for women of color who are dealing with who don't have the money to, you know, go to another, you know, what are some solutions or, or things you see out there? Do you see programs out there really working? Your program is working. So, well, and I mean, we, you know, we, we, um, catered at global fund for women, um, you know, reproductive justice. So it is not just about not having children, but it's about having children and being protected and safe and your children being protected and safe in the environment where you live. So it's that big intersectional piece, right? I mean, from the door, we're just going to say women should be making decisions about their own bodies. I mean, flat. 
Um, and so we don't have um, a whole lot of, um, unlike, you know, Planned Parenthood, who I think is doing a brilliant job, but we're not going to be in a position to talk about policies and laws. We're going to be in a position to talk about what that woman should be able to do independently, you know, as a as an adult woman should be able to make some of these decisions um, without having a whole lot of hurdles and political and policies and bureaucracy to have to get through. Um, And this goes to a lot of social and economic justice in this country is around the control of the Black woman's body. I teach a course at uh, Columbia University on um, Mm. a Black body in in, in a patriarchal society because it, I I mean, I could go way back, but you listen, with the history of slavery in this country, Black women have really only recently started to begin to own her own physical body. And with Mm -hmm. that comes the realizations that we've been talking about, whether that's around abortion or maternal mortality, um, and us making decisions about what we want with our our body and how many children we want or don't want. Um, All of these things are are like issues. and, And there are of course, ways. And, you know, I won't get into what they are, but from the beginning of time, since we, you know, living in Africa, like if you if you don't feel like this is the time to have a child, then you can figure that out. There are like a lot, but a lot of them are unsafe and it Mm -hmm. caused a lot of death. Mm -hmm. And so we don't want people to have to feel like they got to, you know, make a choice between their life in a situation that they want to live in. So um, so we do want to fight back. We do want to push back on this. Um, having the Mifepristone is available to people when they need it is one of the important ways that the administration is trying to push back. But as you see, it's not going to be without a fight. So we just got to keep you know, leaning forward and, and keep the fight um, because I, I think we'll win. I, I think we'll win on this one for sure. But, you know, um, it, it's it's just a hard slug and it just makes things more difficult for our people, honestly. Yeah, I hope we do. And in the meantime, mm. though, think about it before you do. So use what you have, you know, your resources Absolutely. now before you do. Use the condoms, use the spermicide, mm. use everything that you can because it's real. Could, it's, if it's real. we could educate them. Yeah. I mean, that's the other part, right? Is the education, the sex education. <laughs> yes. It, it I mean, they don't even know. want them educated. They don't even want us to talk well, about it. <laughs> yeah, they don't. Listen. It's true. Thank but God yeah. for TikTok in a way. I see now why they're banning TikTok. <laughs> yes. I mean, TikTok has its evils, but it also has... I I really believe why they really are banning it. This is my theory is because they saw their white kids coming home going, dad, I, how come I didn't know about this? Mm. And it was all on TikTok. Mm-hmm. You know, they were getting all of their black history mm-hmm. on TikTok. Mm-hmm. They were, they were, <laughs> they were learning about sex education mm-hmm. on TikTok. Yeah. And now they're trying to, now all of a sudden they're like, Oh, kids under 18 can't be on social media. In certain places, they're look they're actually doing this. Yeah, you know, it's, it's definitely like, control. The parents? Do it's the parents control. get any say? Mm. It's control. No, mm. what you are owned by the state. You didn't know that. <laughs> parents. Oh, yes. So I, I'll Make have this one article. <laughs> I know. One more article, and then we'll get. Okay. You guys are so much fun, <laughs> and then we'll get out. Um. So a- Angel Reese. Now this story was new for me. I. I'll be honest, like I turned, I did turn a blind eye because I was, it was just so overwhelming, all the stories that were coming in um, that I was just like, why do they keep doing us like this? 
So Angel Reese confirms she will visit the White House to celebrate national championship. Um, her national championship. LSU basketball star Angel mm-hmm. Reese will accompany her teammates on Friday in an interview on ESPN Sports Center. When asked about the controversy surrounding the team's White House visit, she confirmed that she would join. Let's recap how all this craziness started after an amazing NCAA Women's Basketball Championship tournament, LSU defeated Iowa in the most watched women's basketball game ever. And uh, First Lady Dr. Jill Biden was at the game and was so impressed with both teams that she suggested Iowa also be invited uh-huh. <laughs> to the White House. <laughs> so now we know I wonder also- if Iowa won, would that be the same? Mm, that's a great now, question, I, Sabrina. That's a great is Iowa question. mostly a white team? Um, I know the 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 WNBA superstar, and I know this because I, you know, not that I'm like a huge fan of anybody, but you know, for uh, work that we do, you know, I'm very much interested in how the differences between the the two teams, right? The WNBA and the NBA uh, salary is one of them, right? So equality mm-hmm. and salaries and stuff, but they do have their, you know, um, you know, their sort of high end. And I, I can't remember her name. I don't know if you know it, Sabrina, but on Iowa, she's a very good player. She's a white woman. Mm-hmm. She's very tall. The one who did um, it? Yes. The one the Clark? Yes. That who one. Started so, Caitlin, Caitlin, Clark. that's right. So Caitlin is very, very popular, you know, extremely popular. Um, and they love her. You know, it's like, I, I guess you could probably think of any white NBA player who, you know, will sometimes get a whole lot of like credit, even though they're just like normal. Right. In, mm-hmm, in our, mm-hmm. This is in our country. This is how it is. And so I think that is partly too why everybody is like, and, and apparently she's not the kindest person. I, I don't know her and I can't prove that. But that being said, um, it just was even it added more fodder for the, the first lady to do something like that when it's never been done before. And in the moment when uh, this this woman who is, you know, their savior in some ways, you know, um, uh, is on the losing team. So I, I feel like everything they said was fair. And actually, I don't know. I mean, I think the first lady is probably listening to it and her people seem to be responding. And as you see that uh, the Biden didn't give the invitation to both teams, um, I, I think she just spoke before she thought. And um, but this is the same thing that we're talking about, you know, what sort of doing things that you don't even see them as racist. It's just it's so embedded in you that because you such a fan of this prophet of yours uh... that you like, oh, even if she didn't win. She gets the spoils of war. <laughs> I mean, I could be wrong, but I, I felt like, you know, I'm glad they said it. That's what I'm saying about young feminists. It's like, get the fuck out the way. Let that argument happen because it should. It should happen. Yeah, it's it should it's be exposing. a conversation. Yeah, it right needs now. to be exposed. Yeah, yeah exactly. it needs to be exposed. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, it's never it's, happened before. It shouldn't yeah, like, have happened oh, like that. Okay. So like I said, other yeah. way around, would you be like, oh, yes. I mean, she's such an amazing yeah. that. Angel Reese, a mate, both teams, bring them both. You would have (laughs) never, you would have never. Same same way with Michael Jordan. Oh, you love him so much, but you wasn't willing to give him a piece of your company. You wasn't willing to give him, you know what I mean? So how much do you really love? You drove all the way to come for me and I'm, okay. Okay. Like, no, no, you, uh, no. And it's about that celebration. Once again, full circle back to your show. <laughs> yes. 
Right? Yes. Yeah. Crossover. Crossover. Basketball. <laughs> oh, look, look, I did it. <laughs> right? It's about that celebration. Yes. Allow us to celebrate. Allow and us stop to celebrate. Like, and win the win. Like, listen, that's the, the show is called The Crossover. And Kwame mm-hmm. is right. It's a metaphor, right? Like, it's a metaphor. Crossover back where I'm from. I'm from Philly. You're from Philly. We, it's, you break somebody's ankles when you cross them over. You know what I mean? You could break somebody's ankles. Yeah, it's yeah. like, that's the move where you're really being thrown for a loop, right? What happens when the world mm-hmm. throws you for a loop? When you can take that loop and spin it and come back and do it. It's like, you deserve that win. Don't take that win from... It's always belittling, you know... The person who's won, especially when they're of color, let's take it away from them yeah. somehow, some way. Yeah. Unconscious bias. Mm. A lot of stuff yes. is conscious, but there's a lot of stuff that is unconscious. Like you're saying, you don't even see that that's right. You don't even see it. You don't even hear yeah. that that's right. It's just like, well, surely comes the princess right out. deserves to become as well. <laughs> really? That sounds like a participation yes. trophy to me. You ain't win the playoff. You ain't win the playoff. You know what I'm saying? You right. ain't win the game. You ain't uh, win the game. And next There's year, no right? participation trophy over here. Come that's on. right. Yeah. You got a chance yeah. to work harder. Mm-hmm. And that's oh, what Crystal yeah. Bell teaches her son. <laughs> you got <laughs> a chance to work harder on and off the court. That's right. You know? Yeah. Well, I want to thank it. both of you, ladies. This has been an am- this this is amazing episode. Oh yeah. my goodness! <laughs> it's just it's so informative, and it just and I'm meeting you both for the first time, and it's been so easy to talk to you, oh. and you're both just so incredible. So really, I appreciate you taking the time out today thank to you. join me on Friends Like Us, because like you said, you know, the women who listen to this pot, the men who listen to this podcast. You know, they tell me that it helps them. It's op- the white, white, the white, white yes. the show, right? They have, yes. they have learned so, so much, much yeah. from listening to the show. Yeah. They've written to me and they said, Marina, because of you, I, I forget where I was, but the, the guy, oh, I was in um, Vermont. A uh, young gentleman came out to me. He said, "I, Marina, you have helped me out. Trem- I've learned more from listening to your podcast. Than class, than school, than even, you know, because they're not so really. Thank you. you. So I'm just going to throw it to you, Sabrina. Sabrina, can you tell our listeners where to find you? I am Sabrina Ravel. That's R-E-V as in Victor, E-L-L-E. You can find me at Instagram (laughs) at Sabrina Ravel. With friends like us, you will no longer be ignorant to the racism of the United States that we deal with with friends like us because <laughs> we're going to tell you <laughs> yes yes thank you Sabrina Latanya right, that's hard to talk okay so I'm Latanya Mapfret, the CEO over at Global Fund for Women and the author of The Everyday Feminist and with friends like us we get to say it like it is and you'll be able to know because you can ask somebody Ask somebody. Yes, you better ask somebody. (laughs) Marina Franklin, my website, marinafranklin.com. And with friends like us, you can have incredible women who will inspire you to be incredible. Check us out. Check us out. (laughs) 